Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight from Geneva with news on the historic summit here. President Biden's warning to Vladimir Putin, if Russia attacks America's infrastructure again, the U.S. will retaliate. The U.S.-Russia summit starts with a handshake, and then the chaos, Russian security pushing and shoving. The president's red line, the extensive list tonight of what Mr. Biden told Putin should be considered off-limits for cyber attacks. But will that deter Putin? I think that the last thing he wants now is a Cold War. The new COVID threat, the Delta variant spreading through the country. Could it cause a fall surge among children who haven't been vaccinated? Record heat, triple-digit temperatures for millions, and the growing threat of new wildfires in the West with urgent pleas to conserve power and water. Cruise line setback. Royal Caribbean pushes back the launch of its new mega ship as eight crew members test positive for COVID. Could this sink a multi-billion dollar industry? Tension in the Middle East. Hamas sends fire-carrying balloons into Israel. Tonight, how the new Israeli prime minister reacts. We're in Israel where there's concerns the fragile ceasefire could fall apart. And diplomacy in action, while two world leaders practice the politics of personal relationships. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting tonight from the Presidential Summit in Geneva, Switzerland. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to be begin tonight with breaking news. President Biden is on his way home, declaring he did what he came to do during his historic summit here in Geneva. During a tense three and a half hour sit down with Vladimir Putin, Mr. Biden says he laid out basic rules of the road, warning the Russian leader in stark terms that the consequences of future ransomware attacks against the U.S. and telling him human rights violations will only shrink his stature internationally. And while the men used words such as positive and constructive to describe their talks in the room, in back-to-back -back news conferences, it was clear there was little agreement, with Mr. Putin taking swipes at the U.S. for the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, and Mr. Biden unloading on a reporter for suggesting he was confident the Russian leader will change. Well, tonight, a source tells CBS News that the president raised every issue he wanted raised, but that the real test is if there's a path forward from today's summit. CBS's Ed O'Keefe was in the room as Mr. Biden took questions and has new reporting tonight on that cybersecurity warning to the Russians. But first, CBS's Nancy Cordes has been traveling with the president and is going to lead off our coverage from here in Geneva. Good evening, Nancy. Nora, tonight, a top White House aide aboard Air Force One tells us the president is feeling good about how it all went and that the talks will continue at a lower level. The question now is, was this gamble in Geneva worth it? Will Mr. Putin keep the commitments he made here? I did what I came to do. The surprisingly cordial summit started with pleasantries and a handshake and ended with praise from Putin. I would say he is very constructive. He is very balanced. The tensest moments involved reporters and Russian security. The pushing. The two leaders and a handful of aides plowed through a long list of disputes, starting with cybersecurity. I told President Putin that we need to have some basic rules of the road that we can all abide by. In the wake of crippling ransomware attacks on U.S. businesses, Mr. Biden gave Putin a list of 16 critical infrastructure sectors, including energy and water systems, that need to be off-limits to Russian hackers. If in fact, they violate these basic norms, we will respond. Cyber. He knows. Putin agreed to work with the president. I think that's extremely important. But he also claimed most hackers are in the U.S. What does the state of Russia have to do with that? President Biden also pushed Putin to release two former Marines imprisoned in Russia. I pointed out, you want to get American business to invest, let him go. Change the dynamic. Because American businessmen, they're not we're ready to show up. They, they don't want to hang around in Moscow. Putin sounded positive. We discussed that. There could be some compromise that we enter into. Russia expert Fiona Hill attended President Trump's summit with Putin. Was this a different Vladimir Putin in any way than the one you saw in Helsinki in 2018? He was a lot less cavalier, and he did seem that he was genuinely trying to move the dial forward somewhat to next set of meetings. But she notes he's broken promises many times before. President Biden said the true test will come in three to six months. I'm not sitting here saying because the president and I agreed that we would do these things that all of a sudden it's going to work. I'm not saying that. He grew testy when asked if he was too optimistic. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change behavior. What the hell? What do you do over there? When did I say I was confident? 
By the time he got to the airport, he had cooled off. I owe my last question an apology. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been such a wise guy with the last answer I gave. And Nancy, and Nancy joins us here. Incredible to see the president react like that. But in that meeting, we did hear that President Biden raised the issue of human rights, the poisoning and jailing of dissidents and opponents. Did he make any headway? Not really. That turned out to be a low point, Nora. Putin just tried to turn it back on the U.S., arguing that our government is the one silencing dissent by arresting rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. President Biden called that a ridiculous comparison, noting there's a difference between peaceful protest in Moscow and criminal activity in D.C. that left a Capitol policeman dead, Nora. Nancy Cordes, thank you. And we want to take a closer look now at the president's warning to stop the cyber attacks. He made it clear that the U.S. can and will retaliate. But what will Putin do? CBS's Ed O'Keefe continues our reporting from here in Geneva. In conceding today that cyber war is here to stay, President Biden said he and Russian President Putin are seeking to place limits on future battles. And he issued Putin a warning. He knows there are consequences. Ransomware attacks on the Colonial Pipeline and the JBS Meat Processing Company were believed to be carried out by two Russian-based criminal groups, Darkside and R-Evil, with both companies paying the attackers millions of dollars. These episodes put cyber warfare near the top of the president's agenda today and prompted him to ask Putin how he'd respond if a U.S.-based hacker took out one of his critical oil and gas pipelines. What happens if that ransomware outfit were sitting in Florida or Maine and took action, as I said, on their, their, their single lifeline to their economy, oil? It'd be devastating. And they're like, you could see them kind of go, oh, we'd do that, but like, whoa. Despite that apparent reaction, Putin's continued denial of any responsibility suggests he may not be willing to rein in the hackers within his borders. And today, he argued without evidence that the U.S. is the bigger perpetrator of cyber attacks. We see that this work is being coordinated from the cyber realm of the United States. Former CIA acting director Mike Morrell said despite today's summit and President Biden's optimism, it's unlikely the attacks will stop. Many of the individuals who are doing the hacking are Russian intelligence officers who do national security espionage during the day and they work for organized crime at night. So this is a very difficult thing for Putin to take action against. Both presidents agreed to have senior officials in their governments begin consultations on cybersecurity issues. But what exactly the two sides might agree to is subject to those upcoming talks. Nora. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. Back home in the U.S., two very different stories are emerging on the COVID pandemic. Restrictions have been lifted in all but a handful of cases as cases continue their steep decline. But there's new reason tonight health officials are sounding the alarm for those who haven't been vaccinated. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. Tonight, our summer of freedom may be in jeopardy as the Delta variant spreads across the U.S. Cases now nearly doubling every two weeks. And it tends to look like it might even be a more serious in making people ill. Delta, first found in India, is now responsible for almost 10% of new COVID cases here in the U.S. Now we know that the Delta virus is actually anywhere from 50 to 60% more infectious than was the B117. So, uh, 
this is surely a grave concern. Epidemiologist Michael Osterholm says those most at risk, anyone with only one dose or unvaccinated, like kids under 12 and regions where vaccination rates lag. When you look at the South, where there is a lot of vaccine hesitancy, how concerned are you about the South? I'm very concerned about the South. Uh, we have over 100 counties in this country right now that have less than 20% of the residents vaccinated. Those are time bombs waiting to happen. This virus will find you if you are not vaccinated. As the Biden administration pushes to get 70% of Americans vaccinated with at least one dose by Independence Day, at least 20 states are now banning so-called vaccine passports, documents which could have encouraged people to get a shot. And tonight, 45 states in Washington, D.C. are now fully open, but not every American is ready to celebrate. I'm still skeptical but only because there's just too many people that are not vaccinated and we can get more variants. Moderna says the Biden administration agreed to buy 200 million additional doses of its COVID vaccine today and that the shots could be used as boosters or for children under 12 if the FDA gives emergency use authorization. Nora. Nikki Batiste, thank you. Tonight, there is no relief from the scorching heat wave in much of the South and West. More than 46 million Americans are under heat advisories. Some of the temperatures are hard to imagine. We get more now from CBS's Omar Villafranca. Record drought and sweltering heat are baking the western U.S. Palm Springs, California hit 113 degrees today and is bracing for triple digits the rest of the week. Yesterday hit 120, a new record. A brush fire in the Bay Area quickly spread, burning multiple homes and hinting at what could be a long fire season. This time of the year, we're not used to seeing this type of fire. In Texas, temperatures are putting a strain on the state's power grid. Residents are being asked to conserve power four months after a deadly February cold snap paralyzed power plants across the state. Texas's grid is supposed to be built for heat. But now many Texans are frustrated and worried that power plants are failing before summer. Ed Hers is an energy fellow at the University of Houston. We've been looking at the decay of the grid and the decay of reliable electricity provided to the grid for many years. Um, blackouts and brownouts would not surprise me. To conserve power, the state's grid operator is asking Texans to keep their thermostat at 78 degrees, even though highs across the state are in the 90s and 100s. And they're making that request for the rest of the week. Nora? All right, Omar Villafranca, thank you. And tonight, for all those wondering how long those triple-digit temperatures will last, we're going to turn to CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Hi there, Lonnie. Hello, Nora. Let me put things into perspective. Tucson, Arizona, you have never had more than six straight days of 110 degree temperatures. Today is day five. You're going to get day six tomorrow. We're going for nine. Now, some other temperatures out west. Take a look here. We've got Mojave, California hitting 109 degrees, the hottest June day ever recorded in Mojave. For tomorrow, more heat. Lincoln, Nebraska, 104. Look at Needles, California tomorrow, 122 degrees. On Friday, there's going to be a little bit of a change because the heat dome is going to split into two branches. So, why 
Wyoming, Montana, no more record heat for you. But the California branch will put a record down in Sacramento at 107 degrees. The Midwest branch will put a record down in St. Louis at about 102 degrees. So there's a lot of heat out there that does continue. I do want to check in on the tropics because we have a storm right around the coast of Mexico, around the Bay of Campeche that right now is not very organized. No name, no number. We think this could become Claudette, making a landfall possibly around the Louisiana border with a lot of rain, maybe a foot of rain or so. Louisiana currently will have about four feet by the end of this month of rainfall. That's about their whole year's average, and we haven't even started the rainy season yet. Nor it's all yours. All right, Lonnie Quinn, thanks very much. Tonight, it is anything but smooth sailing as America's cruise industry tries to relaunch. Royal Caribbean pushed back the first cruise of its new megaship because of a COVID outbreak among the crew. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. It was meant to be Royal Caribbean's triumphant return to American shores in its newest vessel. But with eight Odyssey of the Seas crew testing positive for COVID, two with mild symptoms and six asymptomatic, the cruise has been delayed. In a statement, the cruise line says all 1,400 crew will be fully vaccinated by Friday, but now will have to quarantine for two weeks. The damage to the industry is potentially large. Travel analyst Henry Hardevelt says this incident and last week's positive cases among two passengers on the Celebrity Millennium ship are troubling. You're describing almost a do or die moment for the cruise industry. They are at the crossroads of reopening and creating confidence and they realize that anything can cause that confidence to waver or disappear entirely. For Florida alone, this means $9 billion in direct spending and almost 160,000 jobs the cruise industry supports could slowly be sinking. Errol Barnett, CBS News, Washington. And we want to turn now to the Middle East. The ceasefire between Israel and Hamas looks very fragile tonight, with violence flaring up and posing an early threat to the new Israeli government. CBS's Charlie Daggett is in Tel Aviv tonight. Israeli airstrikes lit up the sky in Gaza, each thunderous explosion threatening to shatter the fragile ceasefire. Swift retaliation for incendiary balloons launched into Israel instead of a barrage of rockets this time. But the message from the Israeli military was just the same. We will strike back if attacked. A tit-for-tat triggered by the contentious right-wing march allowed to go ahead in East Jerusalem, stopping short of Damascus Gate outside the old city. The new government has been criticized for allowing this to go ahead in the first place, considering the obvious risks. But had they canceled, they faced accusations of caving in to pressure. Pressure not just from Hamas threats, but angry Palestinians. It's the first test for the government of Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, just three days after pushing Benjamin Netanyahu out of power. Just last month, a similar march lit the fuse to an 11-day conflict between Israel and militants in Gaza that led to the deaths of 253 people. Tonight, tensions remain high. The Israeli military warning that fighting will resume if provoked. And today, more of those fire-carrying balloons have crossed into Israel from Gaza. Nora? Charlie Daggett, thank you. 
Well, tonight there's new outrage in Ocean City, Maryland, after a video emerged showing the violent arrests of black teenagers confronted for vaping on the boardwalk last weekend. Now, the videos show officers kneeing one teen and tasing another. Ocean City's mayor says the teens were arrested after refusing to provide identification. The NAACP is demanding the officers be taken off duty while the cases are investigated. All right, tonight, firefighters contained the blaze at a northern Illinois chemical plant two days after a powerful explosion. The fire chief in Rockton, Illinois, says crews have also contained the hazardous materials from the chem tool plant, but the evacuation order remains in effect for those within a mile of the plant. Tonight, we wanted to end with what we've witnessed here in Geneva, the Swiss city of peace. The president's summit started with a handshake, but the initial efforts to cover it turned chaotic. With the Russians trying to force the press from the room with shoving, as if to cut short a meeting the international journalists seemed hungry to document. A moment to solve problems face to face, not with confrontation, but with conversation. It's worth noting that Joseph R. Biden began his presidency declaring American diplomacy is back. Today, he said all foreign policy is the logical extension of personal relationships. And that is the test and perhaps the legacy-defining moment for President Biden, whether his personal relationships will change anything, as our 46th president makes the case that diplomacy, dialogue, and democracy are America's greatest exports. Just as the economy reopens and Americans head back out to eat to restaurants, they're about to be slammed by higher prices. We'll look at why. That's tomorrow. And if you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Geneva, Switzerland. We'll see you tomorrow from Washington. That's right. We're headed back. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Some puzzles are hard to solve. Others are hard to prove. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts.